1: Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction fantasy. This is episode 171, and we are recording on February 5- 14th. Ooh, I can talk today. <laughs> uh, I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with guest Kelly Jetson. And today we are talking horror because Kelly has a very specific and interesting experience
0: <laughs> with that. Welcome, Kelly. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. It's funny because, like, when... We were talking about who's going to fill in for Sharifa. Mm -hmm. I was like, I've got nothing. (laughs) Sci-fi, fantasy. Like, I read it, but, like, not enough to talk. And then I was like, wait a minute. Horror. I could talk about horror for 40 minutes. I could talk about horror for four days. (laughs) Um, So I'm really excited to be here and to talk about this um, category, this mood, this... Not a genre. Right. But called a genre.
1: Um so <laughs> book. Yeah, we're gonna get into like, <laughs> well, what is horror anyway? Um and I'm I have to say I'm both glad that I get to have this conversation with you because I am like horror is my one of my weakest genres. Um, but also I'm sad that Sharifa like can't roll around in the joy mm. of horror with you because she's <laughs> also a fan. So you should basically what I'm saying is you should come back another time and you and <laughs> Sharifa can have like a full-on horror fest. <laughs> Uh okay, let's see. So before we actually get into all of the stuff we're going to talk about, we will remind you it's halfway through February how. Um and that means we are a month and a half into our 10th year of the Read Harder challenge, which is burnanas. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But if you have not started yet or you're just now hearing about it somehow or you're like maybe that's for me. Uh it's yeah, it's it's a reading challenge. There's 24 tasks basically two per month. Um, You can double dip. You can use one book for multiple challenges, I'm just saying. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if you would like to be a part of that, you can get book recommendations by signing up for the Read Harder newsletter. And if you can become a paid subscriber, you get even more recommendations. You get community features. You can talk to other people about what they're reading and what they're using and how they're cheating. It's all good stuff. (laughs) Um, So visit bookriot.com slash readharder to sign up. That is bookriot.com slash readharder read harder and now we will hear from a sponsor
2: today's episode is brought to you by Tor books so if you are a fan of epic fantasy if you're a fan of scott lynch and or joe abercrombie but you want something a little different you want a hero who's like a bit of a mess then the silver blood promise by James Logan is for you in its academy dropout slash disgraced noble heir Lacan Gordova's life is in shambles all he's got going for him is one he is a card sharp of considerable skill and two a lot of maybe potentially a little too much wine so they're you know those are the positives So when the bizarre murder of his father robs him of even the off chance of redemption, Lacan decides to make amends another way. He's going to unravel the mystery behind the killing, even if it takes him to the underbelly of Sophrona, a city of danger, secrets, and merchant princes. Finding the truth is one thing. Finding the truth and staying alive is like a whole other thing. So make sure to check out the silver blood promise by James Logan on sale May 7th. And thanks again to tour books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations—a granddaughter and a grandmother—coming to terms with what it means to be family, Black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Annese Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, Black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, The Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into light to find a path to healing known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the south mary anase hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled troubled waters make sure to pick it up thanks again to harper muse publisher of troubled waters for sponsoring this episode
1: Okay, we just have one news story because we have so many (laughs) other things to talk about. Kelly, tell us about this situation.
0: So the story came out on Monday as we're recording. So that was February 12th, that um, the Hulu series based on A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss uh, has been canned. Mm -hmm. And this is a really interesting story to pop up because there was... the series is phenomenal in terms of popularity. It's mm-hmm. everywhere, right? And um, like this romantic genre has been so huge. Mm-hmm. And we can give a lot of credit to TikTok here. Maybe we give all credit to TikTok. Here. <laughs> and, and really like what is happening on TikTok is influencing the way that a lot of these books are being marketed and like how quickly they are rising in popularity, you know, to kind of hit that algorithmic sweet spot um and so this series know, this isn't her first series and so it was popular from the start but like it's it's really skyrocketed so it was surprising to then see that the series got canned at hulu like mm. it seemed like the kind of you know series that they would want to develop that they would want to get on there um now part of it was so so the project was originally announced in 2021 Mm. But it was halted by the strike, and that makes perfect sense. It took a Mm -hmm. long time. A lot of these projects, because of the strike, are, you know, they're starting up again. They've been kind of in a holding pattern. You got that, right? Yeah. So that's the story that pops up on Monday, kind of surprising. And then yesterday, (laughs) uh, the story's been retracted. So apparently this, the adaptation is not being canned at this point. Um, it's still a go. Uh, I don't understand how we get a report that it's canned a day later. Right. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, I That's all I got. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's it's wacky. It's wacky. Um, We're going to link to a piece on Collider by Julia Humphrey that has all of this. And yeah, like right at the top, it's like, JK, it's still definitely in development. And they're like, well, maybe it's that like it's not active development, which means it could be shopped (laughs) elsewhere. But like, it's so I drew. I truly wonder what shenanigans are going on behind the scenes here. Like, it definitely feels
0: like. Something weird happened. This So one of the sentences in the Variety piece Which is linked in the Collider piece um, Says TV Line reported The news that A Court of Thorns and Roses TV series is no longer in the works at Hulu And that it was also not being shopped To other platforms huh. So that is the story And then Variety's earlier story reported The series as scrapped based on Initial remarks from sources But Variety has now been told that technically The show is still in development at Hulu But that's semantics As it yeah. is believed to no longer be activated in development which means it's unclear what the fate of the project will be and then in parentheses in its current form the show isn't being shopped elsewhere but that doesn't mean the property owners might take it elsewhere should it eventually be scrapped at Hulu oh so there's a lot of like we don't actually know what's going on but we're going to report this story and get all the clicks for it <laughs> yeah. we're going to get the fans outraged and then uh, watch we find out that it's been you know um, expedited mm-hmm. to be developed because of fan like Outcry. Who knows? I don't want to say that this is like a publicity stunt because that's conspiracy theory, but also, what? It could
1: be, you know, I hadn't thought about that angle, but you're absolutely right. Somebody could have gotten impatient and was like, I know what will get this going again. Um, Who (laughs) knows? TV production adaptations are like so... Complicated and mm-hmm. takes so long and involves so many weird contract shenanigans. Like every time I hear about shenanigans in an adaptation, I'm like amazed that anything ever gets made,
0: honestly. <laughs> well, have you seen the story that um we're actually going to get the adaptation of Uglies this year? The Scott really joint. Yeah. And that has been in development now for like eight years. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. we're supposed to finally get it. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, but um, right. Right. yeah, it's like we got so much news, you know, and drips uh-huh. and then nothing and yeah. silence. We know the strike happened and that right. delayed a lot of things. And then there was a piece that came up last month that was like, it's actually happening. It should be here this fall. So huh. we'll see. Yeah. But- you know, it speaks to your point of things are just <laughs> unpredictable and sometimes take uh, almost a decade to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I will say I am fascinated how that's going to play out now because I don't know. Um, you're familiar with that series, right? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, um, I'd be surprised if you weren't. I, so I started the show by saying I don't read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy, but then here I am talking about the sci-fi <laughs> series, right? Um And I'm curious how it will translate to today's viewers because um, it seems like maybe the themes in it are slightly dated at this point. I hope they're going to update it.
1: But, (sighs) I mean, we've seen some good, like, okay, so, you know, the Wheel of Time, obviously, Mm -hmm. is a thing that I know about. And um, they did some good updating of some of the uh, dated stuff in there. But, like, the whole premise of, you know, plastic surgery to make everybody perfect Um, was very fresh when Westerfeld originally wrote that series and now is like, you know, it's a little... We're in the post-Nip-Tuck era. Like, it's a Mm. little bit... (laughs) More done, so it's it's a a good point. It's a good question. Um, I still think they could make it though. I don't. I I I feel like there's a market for it, even if if it's been you know more done than it had been at the time. Uh, okay, all right. We could talk forever about that too. Clearly. Um, let's talk about horror though. Okay, before you talk to us about summer scares, which I'm so excited for you to tell Mm -hmm. everybody about. Um, like what is horror anyway, Kelly? Like what is horror? Like where this is a sci-fi fantasy show, but I think horror fits into that too mm-hmm. so yeah
0: absolutely so you know growing up I like I've always read horror and I'm one of those kids who like so many people who love horror I was super into the Goosebumps series mm-hmm. and um I I wrote a piece a few years ago about how I didn't actually read like Fear Street and then the uh, Christopher Pike series because I had a teacher who like Convince me not to, and I'm I'm not sad about it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so I also read a lot of Stephen King growing up. You know, it's like a rite of passage for horror mm. lovers when they're in like middle school, right? Um and so I was always under the impression that horror was a genre. And as I learned more about horror itself and learned more about different um like tropes that show up in genre, as Mm. well as learned about different types of literary devices, uh, I really learned that horror is not a genre. Uh, Horror is a mood. And Mm. that, I think, is so tricky for folks because Mm. there are common tropes and themes and motifs that show up in horror. But really, horror as a designation can be applied to any genre. Um, Mm -hmm. All it really means is that horror brings up in the reader some kind of fear or disgust. Um, and so you can have contemporary fiction that's horror. You mm-hmm. can have historical fiction that's horror. You have science fiction that's horror. You mm-hmm. have fantasy that's horror. Really what it is is like this tiny speculative element um, in most cases. In other cases, there might not be any speculative element at all. It could right. just be, you know um, – When you look at something like um, Jordan Peele's work, Mm -hmm. that's a really great example of um, social horror, right? Mm -hmm. And not necessarily speculative, but like gives you that sense of like disgusting fear (laughs) pretty well. Um, And so it's always interesting because people who like horror tend to understand this because they've spent so much time with it. Uh, Like the average reader doesn't and frankly doesn't care. Like, why would they? Um, Horror is horror. But it is important because one thing that I think keeps a lot of people away from trying horror is this idea that it is one thing, that it's a genre that there is a lot of catching up to do to kind of understand it, that um, horror is all blood and guts and, you know, like, gore. Mm. Um, And that's certainly part of some horror, but not all of it. Um, And so that kind of leads in nicely to... Summer Scares, if you're yeah. ready to like dive into this. So Summer Scares is a project that's been around now for six years. And it's a collaborative effort between the Horror Writers Association, United for Libraries, Book Riot to us, uh, Booklist, and Novelist. And it's meant to raise interest in horror, particularly in libraries where we know there are dedicated horror readers but um, where there's prime opportunity to expand the conversation about what horror looks like and introduce more people to all types of horror. Mm. So each year for Summer Scares, we pick a spokesperson. And this spokesperson is kind of like the um, figurehead for the year. They um, do a lot of the press talking about horror they're an expert because they're a writer of horror and they sit with us on committee discussions to talk about books that we're considering for the list and it's a lot of fun we this year's spokesperson is Clay McCloyd Chapman, and in past years we've had spokespeople um, including Stephen Graham Jones and Sylvia Moreno Garcia, who literally read every single book, uh, which is oh, wow. incredible because we don't read every single. Book. Right, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, it was. It's so cool working with these writers and like hearing their takes on all of these books, and it's a very positive. Discussion. It's not a, like, this writer did, you know, Mm. whatever. Um, It's very much a thinking about audience when we talk about it. Mm. So there are three categories of summer scares. There's adult, there's young adult, and then there is middle grade. So from August to December, the committee discusses possible titles. The parameters are really, really loose here. So... The book has to be at least a year old, but it can be as old as I think it's 10 or 11 years. It might even be a little bit longer than that. Mm. The idea being that these books are going to be easy to get in a library, that um, maybe they're books that were popular five, seven years ago, but have kind of fallen off the radar. Or they are books that maybe were never on people's radars at all, but are of such good quality horror and represent just how vast Core is that we're like let's let's put it on the list like let's mm. promote it mm. so the goal is a mix of different styles and types and formats because we want to showcase that it's not just one type of thing right um and it's it's been so cool there are six committee members and then there's the um spokesperson who joins us Three of us on the committee captain a section, which means we help guide the picks a little bit more strongly. Like we're the ones who like everybody can suggest stuff, but right. we have just a tiny bit more. Like I don't want to say weight, but like it's our responsibility to to speak a little louder for the ones we want to stay on mm. there, and then you know push back on some that maybe we don't think are the right fit that year, or maybe not the right fit. Period. Right. Um, were you and so? Were you the ahead. YA captain? Yeah, and I have been since the start, so this oh, is wow. my sixth year of doing it, and it's been really interesting because it has been such a nice mix of titles for YA, but it has really helped me to learn more about adult horror, which is an area I read, but like mm. not as vastly as our horror chair for adult does. Right, and um, same with middle grade. It's um, it's been interesting to have these conversations too. From the perspective of being an editor at Book Riot and seeing mm. not only like what our editors and contributors are excited about when it comes to horror, but what our readers are excited about. Like we know horror is huge. Mm. We know it's popular. And then there are some titles that just they're popular among our readers. And it's cool to be like. Yeah, this particular title like has been everywhere, and you know it seems like the kind of book people are really interested in, even if they're not necessarily a horror reader or mm. um, a book that horror readers have been like really, really, really passionate about. We should give it you know a little bit more um, possibility in libraries across the country. Mm. So anybody is welcome to like take part in Summer Scares, reading the books, talking about the books, but. One of the big focuses is on libraries. And as such, we have a librarian, uh, Conrad Stump, from the Springfield Green County Library in Missouri, who puts together an incredible programming guide for libraries based around the nine books that are picked. So, all kinds of ideas to incorporate these books into a wide range of programming, um, book clubs, whatever you might want to do in your library with these titles. It's free. Um, It'll go up March 1st, and we'll link it in the show notes so you can go back on March 1st and look through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this year, there are a series of web panels I think mm. is what it is um with the three authors from each category so you oh, can wow. kind of see them interact and talk about horror and their books and like that I think that is one of the things that gets me so excited about this is these authors who are the three picks like they agree to be on board with this so they know it's coming and they are involved at like whatever capacity they can be involved in mm. but it's so cool to see like three very different personalities um interact and talk about horror <laughs> and like become <laughs> these faces for the category the mood um should yeah. we be to talk about this year's winners
1: yeah let's talk about this year's winners <laughs> okay. I recognize some of these names from mm-hmm. other genre well other moods let's say it that way <laughs> other moods
0: <laughs> sure. um
1: and some of them I don't know at all so I'm excited
0: yes. yeah so I will say from the start I'm way more familiar with the YA titles obviously than I am the others but um it is one of the nice things about these discussions is we learn so much about these particular authors or mm. their um, like entire you know publication history and all the stuff that they've written. And let me start with uh, the adult titles this year. They are Jackal by Aaron E. Adams, Such Sharp teeth by Rachel Harrison. That was very difficult to say. Um, And then (laughs) this thing between us by Gus Moreno. Those are our three winners in adult this year. And I can say that one of the first conversations we had when we were trying to figure out like what books to even consider for adult was that Rachel Harrison needed to be on the list. Um, Mm. But our debate was what book because so many are eligible. Um, and so we went back and forth and back and forth about like what is the book what is the book and ultimately we made the decision based on looking at what the other two books were um, because we want
2: Mm.
0: a mix of types of horror so we've got that in adults YA is um, all these bodies by Kendare Blake dead flip by Sarah Ferrizen and hashtag murder trending by Gretchen <laughs> McNeil um, and I'm so excited about this like slate um these personalities are so very different but like yeah their books are also so very different and yet really do represent like this range of what horror can be we've got um I'll, I'll come back and talk about them more in depth in a moment um let yeah. me go to middle grade, which the three winners this year are "Ophi's Ghosts by Justina Ireland, The Nest by Kenneth Oppel, and My Aunt is a Monster by Romina Yi, And that, I believe, is a graphic novel. Um, very, very mm. cool cover um, for that one. But um, yeah, those are our nine winners this year. So in terms of YA, I think it's... Because this is, like, my area of expertise, it's easier to kind of dive in about how different they are and say that that same mm-hmm. kind of difference applies in the other categories as well. So, listeners who are like, horror is not really my thing, um, you'll find something that is your thing here. Um, or you, you know, might finally be like, "All right, I'm going to try something, but I don't want something that's, like, going to scare the pants off me. But just, like, right. enough to, like, some goosebumps, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so in YA, All These Bodies by Ken Dare Blake is a um, kind of historical horror. And I put it in the vein of Truman Capote's um, In Cold Blood in that it's about mm. this girl um, and it's about vampires and it's about the Midwest and about a lot of blood. Um, so it is bloody, but um, <laughs> it is just... Um, I. You know, let me let me back up here for, with this one. Um, I wanted this book, like, on this list the first time I read it. Um, as soon as I read mm-hmm. it, I read it before it came out or right around the time it published. And I was like, this is a perfect Summer Scares title. And I know we had talked about one of Kendare's other titles uh, for this and like how perfect it would be and I said no it has to be all these bodies because it didn't get the attention that it deserved to get Mm. so that's that's one Uh, the second one is Dead Flip by Sarah Farazin which is a uh, humorous and nostalgic (laughs) horror about a um, haunted arcade game and it is very uh, Stranger Things-esque. So if you like like that nostalgia factor, that one is going to be like up your alley. And it's just a hoot. Like, she is a hoot, and it comes yeah. through in this book. And then finally, uh, Murder Trending by Gretchen McNeil is a very bloody story. Um, and <laughs> it's about this app that broadcasts murder – well, I don't want to say – Murders, but it broadcasts these fights to the death that happen um, in this prison system. And this, mm. the whole idea is people can watch these so called prisoners fight to the death, right? This is entertainment for people. A uh, teen girl finds herself waking up and realizing that she is now one of the people who has to fight to the death. Problem is, she didn't commit a crime, and she has no idea why she's put in this position. So, she and some other teens have to figure out, like, how does she get out of this? Um, can she even get out of this? This one um, is part of a series, I think it's three books in the series. The whole series is out now, and that's one of the things that we try to look at, too, is making sure that if it's part of a series, the whole thing is out, or the final book will be coming really soon, so that readers who pick it up and are like, I want more, can, like, Grow right for Mm. it. Um, When it comes to this particular title, I really wanted to include it because right before um, the pandemic shut everything down in March of 2020, I was doing a book festival out in um, the San Francisco area. One of the things that I had the opportunity to do while I was out there was the night before the event – show up to one of the juvenile um, detention centers and do a book Mm. talk on a panel to these kids, which incredible experience, right? That they're bringing in authors Mm -hmm. to talk with these kids. Well, Gretchen was one of the other authors on this panel. And not only like was she incredible, she had, I guess, done this program before and had talked with these kids before about different books the passion that these kids had for that book, like, stuck Mm. out to me. And I was like, man, you know, like, maybe it's not my cup of tea uh, as far as horror goes, but the absolute, like, passion these kids had for it and um, just the excitement they had. I was like, I want to make sure that I get, if not this book, Her – um, on this list mm-hmm. because she connects with those kids really well. Um, and this book kind of fit perfectly in terms of like a different type of horror to represent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those are the YA titles. Um,
1: it sounds but... it sounds like a great read along for Chain Gang All Stars. Oh yeah, also for by sure. Nana Kwame Ajabrenya, which right, took the world by yeah. storm in the last year or so. So that's also a nice bit of um. Uh, serendipity, shall we call it? Yeah, for
0: sure. I, you know, it's, I don't think I wrote about that at all. Um, with that, with either book when I've written about them, but yes, for sure, they make like I think a lot of these books do such an interesting thing where whatever you are interested in thematically, you can find in another category. So, murder trending. Mm -hmm. Well, Chain Gang All-Stars, not only is it an adult book that readers could go to, but that was an Alex Award winner this year as well. So it's gotten the seal of approval that like it's a great book for teens. And so that's like a really nice, you know, read along um, type of book.
1: Yeah. That's super cool. Okay, I love all of this. I am definitely going to have to read some of these in my attempt (laughs) to continue to read more horror um, and to find my space in the mood. Uh, Let's see. Let's take a quick sponsor break, and then we will talk more.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Then you have Claire Biggs who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibbsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice and she becomes determined to tame her wild at heart childhood best friend. today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated so Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school at home her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls at school something happens she accidentally witnesses an ambiguous possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student but how can she be sure of what she saw negative space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden, and thanks again to W.W. Norton & Company, Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. All
1: right. So Summer Scares, amazing. Love everything about this. Is there anything else that we should say before we get into our next round of discussion?
0: I have a question for you. Okay. You ready for it? I'm ready. (laughs) Do you have a favorite horror trope or theme? So
1: I have such a hard time with this question because (laughs) it's like, like I love shapeshifters, oh, for okay. example, like werewolves and vampires and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily read full on horror about them. Like I have read Stephen Graham Jones's Mongrels and I loved it. Sure. Uh, um but like I'm thinking of the Guillermo del Toro strain um, books, which were like vampires, but like truly disgusting. And I like could not get through them. Mm. So I like I don't I don't know, Kelly, <laughs> I don't actually know. Like when I reach for horror, it's usually only because I really trust the author and I'm waiting to see what they're going to do. So like Victor Laval, I mm. will always read, even though like his books range really widely, mm-hmm. I think, in terms of you know, what kind of horror he's doing, or at least what the subject matter is. Um, Lauren Bukes, I have read a fair amount of, always absolutely terrifying. Um, (laughs) You know, Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, genre hops and mood hops all the time, but Mm -hmm. I I have read some of those. So, you know, it's... It's an interesting thing for me because I have to really, like my brain is, my imagination is so overactive and always has been. (laughs) It's why I didn't read horror as a kid because anytime I read anything remotely scary, I would be up all night for like the next like month. Yeah, I couldn't, I can't, like my brain literally can't handle it. Um, And obviously, you know, as a grown up, like different things are what's going to set me off, but I have to be really careful. So I sort of tiptoe in and find like an author who I feel like, okay, I'm going
0: to be able to handle this because of the way that they do it Mm -hmm. does that make any sense it does and especially if you're not a horror reader like you want an entry point that you can trust right because there is so much built up around the idea of what horror is when really that's not exclusively what horror is and if you haven't been reading it for a long time or aren't as familiar with it like it is scary to be like, okay, where do I start? Because mm-hmm. unlike a genre, you know, let's, let's use romance for an example. Folks can give right. you great entry points with romance, right? Depending yeah. on, okay, do you want it steamy or not steamy? Um, mm. What kind of, like, relationship are you looking for? Do you want it to be funny? You know, and right. you can give people the, like, ins there to start. And based on that, then offer more recommendations, With horror, because it is such a, it's a mood and it crosses genres, you have to, you know, you have to ask people way more questions to kind of give them a starting spot. Um, Right. You know, do you want it to be bloody? Um, Okay, you don't want it to be bloody. Uh, Where do we go from there, right? Do you want it to be realistic? Do you want it to be... um, futuristic okay mm-hmm. get that answer do you want historical okay we could do that um right you know and so it's not that it's impossible it's that you just it requires more buy-in from the reader and more from mm-hmm. the reader understanding like their likes and dislikes to kind of yeah. give them that perfect entry point um i find and this is something that we talked about in summer scares last year in particular. Sometimes it's comics that do it. Yeah. Sometimes having that visual and like really seeing the story play out gives you a sense of like, oh, okay, I like this. This feels comfortable. This feels like a thing I can enjoy. And then once you find that, you can take what worked there and um, look for the more narrative. Stories. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. I actually have had. It's funny. I was thinking about this, and it's reflected a little bit in my picks. Um, but I've read way more graphic novel horror than I have read oh. like not graphic novel horror, <laughs> weirdly. Um, and I didn't realize that until I went looking. And I, I've, I'm out of. I'm out of the loop on graphic novels like I haven't picked them up as much as I used to, but I when I was reading a ton of graphic novels, actually quite a few of them were horror, which is a weird thing that I hadn't thought about till now. Um okay, do you have a favorite horror trope or theme?
0: I do. Um I love haunted houses like oh, yes. so much, so much. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter. Like I want a house that's going to scare the pants off me, right? <laughs> like, And also, I want to be like, what the hell is going on in this house? Excuse my language there. But, um, right. <laughs> you know, um, and I want to be wondering, is it the person who's telling the story or is it the house? Like, that's mm. the thing that fascinates me to no end. Um, and then I have found that I love ghost stories. Ghosts are great. Um, mm-hmm. But... I so I also really like exorcisms, except oh. it has to be on film. I it doesn't work for me in the written huh. form. Um and I don't know if it's just like the visual of it is so yeah. intense and captivating. Uh it just it doesn't quite work for me the same way, um, in text. But those That's are my, fascinating. Those are my big three. <laughs> Do you do you find so we've talked about visuals and we've talked about the written word. Do you do audio books on her, like do you do horror audio. I do not. Um, I don't do any fiction in audio like my right, brain can't right. Um, yeah. keep up. I, I need nonfiction because to me it's like a podcast. Right, 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 right. Well, I'm with you there. I also cannot do much
1: brain processing of audio. Um so I just now I'm curious. So that's a question we'll have to come back to sometime. Mm-hmm. Um all right, well let's see. Do you want to kick us off in the we we're doing sort of a grab bag of um recommendations. Why don't you kick us off? Sure.
0: So um if you're okay with it, I'm going to talk about two back-to-back, back, um, because they are kind of related. Um, and these, sure. these are both upcoming anthologies of diverse authors and diverse horror stories. So the first one... Um, is The White Guy Dies First, edited by Terry J. Benton Walker. That comes out July 16th, and this collection has such a killer, um, excuse that there, <laughs> roster of authors, including Kaylin Bayron, Lamar Giles, Tiffany D. Jackson, Ken Blake, and others, and it flips the all-too-common horror trope of the character of color being the first to die, um, and it flips it on its head. In this collection, it's the white character who goes down first. And some of these stories include haunted houses, which we know are my favorite, Mm. Uh, killer clowns, cannibals, and more. So, yeah. Clowns might be my anti favorite. You know, I
1: thought that too.
0: (laughs) But then I read. Clown in, in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar, and that changed my mind on Ugh. killer horror, uh, killer clowns. But okay. also, I deeply respect people who, do, who cannot do it. <laughs> um, so that that is the White Guy Dice first, uh, edited by Terry J. Benton Walker. That's out in July. And then the second one is The Black Girl Survives in this one, and it's edited by Desiree S. Evans and Seratia J. Fennell out April second, I had to look at the date. Like I, it says four two. I was like May. No, it's April. <laughs> um, April second. So yes, there are two YA anthologies this year that are about teens of color being the survivors of horror, and we know that that's not enough. But I am still looking forward to them being on shelf and getting to read and share them. Um, in this particular collection, as the title probably makes pretty clear it's the black girl who will survive in each of these stories and they are horror short stories of black girls fighting monsters and include 15 entries from a really incredible array of YA authors including vincent tirado justina ireland britney morris and more that is the black girl survives in this one edited by desiree s evans and seracia j Fennell
1: nice that's that's great. There is <laughs> definitely an imbalance um mm-hmm. in uh so many genres, including horror, so mm-hmm. it's nice to see those voices getting to um be highlighted and and tell their stories uh so you touched on this earlier. You can have like historical, you can have futuristic, you can have contemporary, you can have whatever um and as I was looking through my reading list and like what. I have read uh, because I'm not familiar enough to recommend stuff I haven't read. Yet. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about this book I loved from last year called Our Hideous Progeny by C.E. McGill, which is sort of like a sequel to Frankenstein, Ooh. which I think of as like an er, right, horror novel. Like it totally mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Totally. Um, and, uh, in this, a descendant, well, a great niece of Victor, Victor Frankenstein, um, is also interested in science. Uh, she and her husband are both paleontologists, but the problem is they live in like 1800 London. So <laughs> she is, you know, sort of disregarded as a legitimate scientist, even though she is one. And her husband is kind of a doofus like he's not he's not making good choices let's just say um but then so mary is is her name and she's trying desperately to figure out how to like make money basically um and also pursue her studies and she finds these old papers that belong to her great uncle and instead of trying to make a monster out of people parts she wants to make a dinosaur because (laughs) paleontologist I mean, amazing premise. It definitely is like lighter horror, but there are some real moments of like, oh, that deep like feeling Mm -hmm. of fear and disgust, as you mentioned earlier. Um, There's a lot of animal experimentation and um, some animal cruelty, which, you know, you might have guessed from like they're literally making a monster out of parts of other animals uh trying to make a dinosaur you know like you do um and there's also i should note there's some uh homophobia violence against women and um uh grief over the loss of a child. Mm -hmm. So there's some, you know, heavy stuff in here, but I just loved how atmospheric it was. And like, I've been to uh, the Crystal Palace in London, where they have these models of the dinosaurs that are actually part of the plot of this book. So for me, it was like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And like, it's kind of fascinating how the research plays into this like everybody all of the royal academy of sciences were fighting over like how did dinosaurs work right and so they and they all had like a lot of you know misinformation and wacky ideas um and to turn that into the basis for sort of a sequel to frankenstein i think is genius mm-hmm. so i really loved this book and it is pretty light on um the you know super dark stuff so uh, but it's got a lot of dark feelings Um, so again that's Our Hideous Progeny
0: by C.E. McGill Do you want to do another one since I've got just one more I'm going to talk about? Yes,
1: sure. I'll talk about my um, visual pick, which is a manga, uh, Demon Slayer. Kimetsu no Yaiba Volume 1 is where it starts. Um, It is by Koyoharu Gotuge with uh, John Wary translating. Um, Stan, Adam Grano, Mike Montessa, and John Hunt all also are involved. And Demon Slayer is a great example of like, this is the kind of mood (laughs) I most often end up towards, which is it's a, um, it is also historical. Um, It's Taisho era Japan and the main character Tanjiro is like this cinnamon roll. I mean, just like the sweetest guy just trying to like make life good for everybody he's got a big family they're poor um and he sets out to sell his charcoal and when he comes back basically his entire family is dead except for his little sister who has been transformed into a demon because that is how his family died they were attacked by a demon and so now he has to figure out like can she be cured he's not willing to kill her but also he can't let her kill other people so it's very like oh my god my now one of my relatives is a monster what horrible things will i do to save them what horrible things can i keep them from doing and like big epic adventure um there are other demons there are other warriors it's really epic in scope and feelings and i am behind by so many volumes so this <laughs> is on my this is my summer uh catch up list um but yeah it's just like the visuals i think are pretty compelling and uh but not so much so that I can't handle it right like it's like Mm -hmm. a to me it's like more action horror which I have a somewhat easier time with I think uh, right. So again, that's Demon Slayer. Uh, it starts with Kimetsu no Yaiba Volume 1. There's also like a spin-off manga series that's like Demon Slayer School, which <laughs> looks fun, but I haven't I haven't actually picked up yet. So I cannot recommend it yet. Um, but yeah,
0: that's that's a fun one. So my um, my last pick for this episode <laughs> is a book that um, some people would argue is not horror. I think it perfectly fits the definition of horror. And that's part of why mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about it, because it um it's very much like magical it's very much a fantastical but it's also very much horror as well Mm -hmm. and that is chlorine by jade Song. um one of my favorite books of 2023 and i literally will not stop talking about this book because it was so good um if you like subtle weird horror so books like the vegetarian or night bitch um you're gonna love this one there is body horror here know that going in and there are some questionable sexual situations all of which are addressed in the book but Reader, beware um, that that exists. So the story follows Wren, and Ren loves to swim. And maybe loves isn't the right word. She is obsessed with swimming. And she's worked so hard through high school to become an elite swimmer at her school. She's at the pool all the time. And she has endured relentless meets and drills and verbal and sometimes physical assaults from her coach, Jim, who expects the best of her, even if he doesn't necessarily expect that same level of perfection from others on the team. Ren knows that if she does well, she'll get a scholarship to college, and that would make everyone in her life, from Jim to her mom and her father, who is currently not even in the country, as happy as can be. And as you can imagine, that's a lot of pressure for anybody, let alone a high schooler, and um, Here's the thing. Uh, Ren's not a high schooler. She's a mermaid. She is obsessed with mermaids and she knows that being a mermaid is her true calling. She belongs in the water and despite the fact nobody believes her, she believes in herself and as such slowly and painfully begins the transformation from human to mermaid culminating in a transformation that nobody sees coming. This book is a wild ride and it's a fascinating look at the pressure put on girls, especially girls of color as they grow up. And bonus, it is super queer. Um, mm-hmm. And that is Chlorine by Jade Song.
1: I have been hearing about that book from you among other people. It's on my list. I'm just like, can I handle it? But I might have to try it. <laughs>
0: but I, I mean, try. It is body horror. Um Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I do like to say that because like my my tolerance for horror and gore and stuff is very, very high, and it's hard for me to judge what will like, be the thing that bothers people. So I'm always cautious and always mention, like, anytime anything particularly, like, body-related happens because I'm always like, I'd rather folks know um, going in and – rather than go by my own judgment of like totally
1: (laughs) no and body horror is something i struggle with like it i can handle it and again certain authors i can handle it or certain situations and then others i'm like nope can't Mm -hmm. i can't do it i'm out so it really just depends um speaking of body horror though (laughs) my last pick which is a futuristic sci-fi duology that I will like I don't care who thinks otherwise it's definitely horror um are the symbiosis novellas by Nikki Drayden and this was such a surprise because I had read oh gosh what was Nikki Drayden's first book um The Prey of Gods which is like really fun funky wacky like sort of fantasy, sort of sci-fi, like, really delightful. Um, And so I thought I knew what Nikki Draden's writing was like. And then I read the first one in this series, uh, Escaping Exodus, and I was like, wow, didn't see that coming. <laughs> like, the people in this, you know, future literally live inside of giant space beasts. And, like some people work in the heart of the beast to make sure that like the heart is functioning correctly and some people work in the brain and some people work in the guts and like some people are in charge of everything um and the main character seski who we meet in the first uh book is you know part of the ruling class um very close to somebody who is from a different class and seski basically starts to learn all of these things that the powers that be would rather she or anybody else really not know about exactly how this situation works. Uh, it is not symbiosis. It is parasitism. Um, And what does that mean for humanity? You know, because this is like how humans are surviving. They're trying to get to planets, um, but they can only do it by this way or so they think. And it is... but it's also amazing. And so, like, depending on your level of tolerance for body heart, there is like a very specifically sort of pregnancy-related body horror, which I know is even mm-hmm. harder for some people. So, like, just know that going in. But, like, Nikki Drayton's brain is such a banana's place. <laughs> and, like, this is... I really wish that actually somebody would turn this into, like, a movie or uh, an anime, maybe, like, an animated series. It is so visual. Um, You really feel like you know in all the detail what is happening at any given moment. The world-building is amazing. Like, the culture and society and politics of this you know group of humans is really fascinating and complicated um and it's just it's just so bonkers like it's truly bananas uh so yeah if you're up for that uh mm-hmm. it's a weird ride not going to lie to you but it's also really good um so yeah that is my that is my last pick
0: i think that's it
1: i think that's it we did it we talked about i mean we could have kept going but we're not gonna we're already basically at time so Mm -hmm. kelly thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise (laughs) on this
0: yeah it's it's a thing i don't get to talk quite enough about um but like remains a thing that i just i love without shame yeah you know
1: yes well when sharif is back you'll have to talk her into doing (laughs) another round All right. SFFia yeah, is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. So many thanks to her for making us sound great each and every episode. For more book recommendations, including horror, as well as lots of other things, check out bookriot.com. You can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. We'll make sure you can get to the summer scares information um, in the show notes as well. And as always, thank you for listening. If you have theme ideas, uh, questions, pet pictures you want to share, with us. You can email us sff Yeah at bookriot.com. You could also review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. It helps other people find the show. Um Kelly, if people wanted to thank you for your recommendations or get more, where can they find you?
0: I am still on the sinking ship that is Twitter <laughs> um, <laughs> at Verona Kelly Mars. Great. <laughs> I salute you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm I'm there with the violin, just you know. Right,
1: right. Watching it all burn down. Mm-hmm, cool. Um <laughs> I am mostly on Litzy these days. I rediscovered the joys of Litzy, Ooh. which is L-I-T-S-Y, uh, at Jen-I-R L, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. You can also find me on Tumblr as Jen I R L and very occasionally on Instagram as I am Jen-I-R L.